0: See, I have much of a voice left. <laughs> it means I did it right. I've been singing my guts out up here. Hope you have too. Uh, a homily, uh, for those who don't know, means short sermon, and everybody always is like, well, how short? We talking like seven minutes, 17 minutes, what are we talking about here? Well, don't start your watches, but it'll be short. What I want to talk to you uh, tonight about to kind of wrap up the service, to kind of put a bow on our journey is that seasons and services like these have have taken on new meaning for me, at least, in the last 18 months under a global pandemic. And this is what I mean. Uh, We follow something called the church year, the church calendar, you know, Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, and so on. We follow this resurrection in order to tell the story of Jesus throughout a whole year, to walk with him, walk with him year in and year out. But in this last 18 months, it's taken on deeper significance in light of what we have collectively gone through in the last year and a half. For example, something like Ash Wednesday. That's the day in the church year where we're supposed to reckon with our mortality, to remember that we are dust, and to dust we shall return, to, to face our own death so that we could gain a heart of wisdom about what really matters in this world. well, Friends, Ash Wednesday takes on a new meaning when you are literally surrounded by death. Right, 800,000 here in America alone We're now to a point where one in every 100 Americans over the age of 65 has died of COVID. That's heart-wrenching. And we live in this constant, very real threat still that we might contract the virus, no matter what age you are, and maybe be one of those few people who doesn't respond well. Or take All Saints Sunday. First Sunday in November, we have a chili cook-off but that's the day in the church year we're supposed to remember all those who have died in Christ throughout the ages, all those who have gone before us, the great cloud of witnesses who have finished their race, and now they're cheering us on as we hope to run with the same endurance. Again, this takes on new meaning, doesn't it? New significance when the death toll is now higher than any of the deadliest wars in history for Americans, as the Civil War. We've surpassed that. Many, many precious saints have entered into glory over the last year and a half. So also, friend, this season of Advent, the one we're in right now, has taken on d- deeper significance for me. Because this is the season when we're supposed to long for Jesus to return. Because he came once in Bethlehem. We're telling that story tonight in fulfillment of these long-awaited promises. And we long for him to come back, just like he promised, to finish what he started, to make all things new. But I confess, most years of my life, I would say with my lips, come, Lord Jesus, come, while my heart was whispering, but not quite yet. Because I'd I'd like to get married first. We planned that trip to Disney World with the kids next summer. Please don't come back yet. Or the next season of Stranger Things is about to drop. (laughs) Sounds petty now. But let me ask you, in the face of all that we've been through, not just the pandemic, mind you, but the racial unrest, the political turmoil, the personal communal suffering. Who now cannot say with their whole heart, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come wipe away every tear from every eye, just like you promised. You see, friends, we have seen these last years just how far the curse of sin has gone, right? It is interesting that when we read the curse, when curse, when the curse first entered into the world, way back in our reading in Genesis 3, What were the three things that were specifically cursed? They were family, work, and life and death itself. These are the things that are going to be most affected. So let me ask you, what have we seen most affected by the pandemic? It's been family. We've seen marriages fall apart. We've seen a rise in domestic violence. We've seen children suffering, grappling with fear and isolation and mental health crisis. We've seen it affect work. We've seen people desperately trying to keep their businesses afloat or their churches afloat. We're working harder than ever by the sweat of our brow. We've seen people losing their jobs, trying to keep their jobs, trying to find new jobs. People worried about health care because they don't have a job. Economic hardship and anxiety has been a constant in the last 18 months. And then, of of course, life and death itself. Because of the fall, our bodies now break down, they die, they return to the dust from which they came. But you and I know there's also a deeper death, a spiritual death, because we are now cut off from the life giving relationship from the God for whom we were made. Life east of Eden, cut off from the tree of life, is about looking for life and finding only death. And many of us even went looking for life where we should look for it in the church expecting, hoping to find life there, only to find more death. The scandals within the church, within the body of Christ itself, has shown that sometimes the church is often part of the problem, not the solution. Created to be people of life and light, and yet the darkness remains. So friends, we know how far the curse goes, right? Right? We've experienced it. We've felt it. We are bitterly acquainted with it. We know it all too well. The question for us tonight is, is there anything that goes further than the curse? We know how far the curse goes. Is there anything that goes further? We know how strong the curse is. Is there anything that is stronger? Is there, in the words of C.S. Lewis in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, a deeper magic before the dawn of time? You see, the curse of sin is a deep magic. But there is a deeper magic that was planned before the the dawn of time. And that is the story we have traced here tonight. See, the deep magic, if, if you will, is that all traitors, all rebels against God have forfeited their lives and are subject to the curse of sin and death. That's every one of us. This is the law of a fallen world. It's like gravity. Nobody gets away from it. But the deeper magic is that when a willing victim who has committed no treachery is killed in the traitor's place, the curse is broken and death begins to work backwards. This Christmas is that story of a willing victim, Jesus Christ, taking our place in order to take our curse upon himself. He didn't do it from heaven. He came all the way down into our place. Into our humanity, into our flesh, into our poverty, into our suffering. Brothers and sisters, there is no other God who has scars. He came all the way down into our death, even death on a cross. And yet, because he knew no treachery, because he was innocent, because he was the spotless lamb of God, he offered himself willingly in our place. And that means for all who believe in him, the curse is lifted and death has begun to work backwards. Backwards. Here's how the scriptures say it. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Romans 5.18-20 Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Or in the words of the hymn, it was penned by Isaac Watts, and we're going to sing to close. Joy to the world. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing flow, far as the curse is found. So what I want to leave you with tonight, what I want you to walk away with is You know how heavy the curse is. You know how far it goes. But can you also see how much further the blessing goes in Christ? How much more weighty, how much more significant is that? It goes far as the curse is found. Wherever there is curse, anywhere in this world, that is where his blessing is headed, even now. And it will go further still. That is the Christian's hope in a world gone mad, that he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse and found. Again, if you feel that weight of the curse, can you imagine what the weight of glory will be like? That we have right now, already, but not yet in his fullness. Brothers and sisters, he comes to make his blessings flow. Where? Right here. In our flesh, in our creation that he came into. How? Only through Christ. Give away all other hopes. All other hopes. Only through the one who took our curse upon himself. When? Already. You have it all in Christ right now, but not yet. It has begun, and it will be completed when he comes to make all things new. Brothers and sisters, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Amen. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, we are acquainted with the curse, with the suffering, with the sorrows of this world. But Lord, we are also acquainted with the one who bore our sins and sorrows for us, the man of sorrows, Christ Jesus, who came all the way down. Lord, wherever we are feeling the weight right now, I pray you would meet us. And you would lift it off of us. You would give us the hope that we have all the blessings in Christ right now. Forgiveness of sins, adoption as your sons and daughters, your very spirit living within us. Hey Lord, and we have this great hope that you are not done yet. And you will not stop until your blessings outrun the curse of the world. Give us that hope, Lord, at the center of our being, this Advent and every Advent until you come again. Lord, fill us with joy and make it an infectious joy to our neighbors around us. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.